listen, I am doing the best that I can to stay on this side of the rainbow. Because if I go on the other side of the rainbow, I'm probably not coming back. Hello, my name is Kay Anderson, and you are listening to Lost Spaces, the podcast that mourns the death of queer nightlife. Every episode, I talk to a different person about a venue from their past, the memories that they created there, and the people that they used to know. So, for this week's chat, I am still processing a lot of what we talked about in the conversation, and in particular, It's made me think a lot more about the things that I do in my life that I'm doing because of other people's expectations of me. And I think for a really long time, I had this kind of strident attitude of, oh, everything that I do is my decision and I have my own free will and I'm my own person. But through this conversation, I realized that actually there's quite a lot of things that I do in my life that are as a result of that pressure that I feel from others, whether real or imagined. And it's taking me a while to unpick and understand that better. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me tell you about the episode and about the conversation that I had. So this week, I am chatting to the burlesque artiste, the prodigal titty of the Motor City, Lottie Ellington. Now, Lottie is originally from Detroit, but she found herself living in Richmond, Virginia for a while. And at this time, it is worth saying that the queer scene was kind of maybe not so welcoming. And I think you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. It was the kind of scene that was predominantly cis male, gay, white. And that meant that anyone who didn't fit into any of those categories didn't always feel very welcome on the scene. And because of that, Lottie didn't really explore the scene that much when she first moved there. But... Then she signed up for burlesque classes at Dogtown Dance Studios. And she found that, first of all, she loves performing burlesque. And second of all, there was a whole group of queer, like-minded people at the studio. And that is why it is the lost space that we're featuring today. So during this conversation, we chat all about Lottie's infatuation with Wonder Woman, and that is the Linda Carter OG version, just so you know, how some people find it difficult to separate the performer from the person, and... Yeah, we talk all about that pressure that we feel of living up to other people's expectations of who you should be. Let's get into it. I'm again, I'm Gen X. So Gen X didn't really have the best. We were still working on vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And so being a bisexual woman, it wasn't really an option. You could be gay, you could be straight. But if you 
thought of yourself as bisexual, then there was a lot of negative connotation. You're a cheater. You're confused. You really uh, like... Pick a camp. Yeah, you can't really be bisexual. You either like men or women. Or if you do like women, mm. then you're really just gay and stop saying that you're... Mm, so mm. it took a while for me to be able to really embrace and say, oh, who and what I am is a valid identity. Oh, and did burlesque help you figure that out? Yes, burlesque definitely, uh, because it gave me access. Okay, okay. <laughs> so then let's go a few steps back, back, back. Mm -hmm. When did you first have those inklings then that like, oh, I might fancy women? I remember thinking that Linda Carter was the most beautiful woman on the face of the planet. And, and for those who don't know, Linda Carter is Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman yes. in the 1970s TV I show. I used to wanted to stay up and watch Wonder Woman and I thought Wonder Woman was so pretty and I wanted to be with I couldn't I was like I want her to be my girlfriend I want to marry Wonder Woman she has a lot to answer for that Linda Carter doesn't she <laughs> yeah and I was maybe like five years old and I was like I want her to be my girlfriend I want to marry her and it was immediately expressed to me that that is not a thing that we do that is not an option Ah. And so then I was like, well, then maybe I just want to be Linda Carter. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> but I knew very young, I was like, I want to marry her. And it was like, you can't marry her. She's a woman. Okay, well then. Ah, so you verbalized it and someone put you in yeah, your someone place. Yeah, someone was like, like mm, and that's not an option. Maybe keep this quiet. Do you know who that was? I don't, I like, I don't really remember. It was, it might have been like a teacher. Because that's usually where you have those discussions in school where, you know, who do you mm. like or who's your, you know, you know, oh, I want to marry my dad or I want to marry Superman. I was like, I want to marry, I want to marry Wonder Woman. <laughs> you can't marry I'd Wonder Woman. I'd be more Woman. worried about the kid who said, I want to marry my dad. Yeah, that's, that's a very, <laughs> I think that's a thing too that happens uh, with little girls, you know, especially with little girls. They don't, ooh, you know, they just, ooh. I want to marry dad. Anyway, okay, let's not dwell on that. But, uh, so you learned then at that early age that you shouldn't really talk about it, shouldn't bring it up. Right. But um, what happened to the feelings then? Um, you just sort of say, okay, well, you know, growing up you have some, you know, some intense friendships with girls. There's some kissings mm -hmm. of girls and some... There's air quotes here, by the way, everyone. <laughs> yes, air quotes, yes. Intense <laughs> friendships where, you know, air quote friendships and experimentation and kissing but again there's always that thing of well that's just youthful adolescence because you don't get to boys are your are supposed to be are they're the option they're what you're supposed to do so if you happen to kiss a girl then that's just childish things that you just tried and did and that doesn't mean that you're yeah yeah you know and because you're not completely grossed out by men then oh well then you clearly you're straight you just happen to kiss a girl <laughs> Is that the test for straightness? I'm not completely grossed out by the opposite sex. I think right now that's my test. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's kind of the test right now. Like if you aren't like he's a man, oh, I can't believe I'm attracted to men. Then yeah, it's like oh yeah, then you're you're pretty you're pretty heterosexual. Yes, on, the, on the on the line on the queer contingency, you're well, you're pretty straight. But, okay, so and then besides this experimenting with other classmates, did you ever have a relationship with another woman? I don't think anything that I would put specifically now as an open queer relationship, no. 
again, really intense friendships, but not really relationships mm, in the okay. traditional sense of being like, oh, this is my partner. I'm just going to like segue really, really quickly and just say, I kind of miss those really intense friendships that you have when you're that young. Yeah. Like they're kind of amazing, aren't they? Yeah, because they, they're so, again, they're intense and they're intimate. They're not chocked full of as much nuance or things that you have to navigate or negotiate. It's really just, I like you. I think your hair is pretty. Let's talk and hang out and be close to each other. And sometimes we'll hold hands, and but that's just what friends do. But it's also so all-consuming. Like it's everything. It becomes your whole world. And it's kind of nice to have that to focus on. I am. Rather than like paying bills and shit. I am lucky enough to be neurodivergent. I have ADHD. So all relationships for me are like that because I hyper-focus. Oh. Ah. <laughs> I will hyper-fixate on a human. Ah. Is that good for them or just good for you? I enjoy the heck up out of it. I think it scares a lot of people, but I enjoy it. I'm like, this is the greatest thing ever. I feel all the chemicals in my brain at once. I love this. And the poor person is like, you don't have to call me three times a day. I only just swiped right yesterday. Yeah, but <laughs> I like to talk to you and because I'm chasing dopamine, oh. so I'm... Well, see, yeah, that, yeah, that's what I'm missing. I miss that. Yes, I'm learning a lot. The pandemic was great for... You know, it was sad and it was horrible, but it was a great time for people to learn. And mm -hmm. I learned so much about my ADHD. I've been... I was diagnosed when I was like seven. And then here's some meds. Now go be normal. <laughs> mm, simple, right? Mm -hmm. uh, wait, 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 wait. Okay. So let's move back to what we were talking about. So not, not, let's not talk about intense friendships. Let's talk about you and exploring your sexuality. So you got to Virginia when you were in your early thirties. Mm -hmm. And at that point you hadn't really explored your sexuality not really no i had been very clear with partners with with my male partners and saying listen because a lot of them say you seem like you would be bi or you seem like you would like girls and i'm like listen i am doing the best that i can to stay on this side of the rainbow because if i go on the other side of the rainbow i'm probably not coming back <laughs> and so i'm gonna try very hard I'm, and like i'm trying to stay over here with you so don't ask me about a threesome because you will probably end up being a spectator and get upset because if we try a threesome i'm probably gonna get into this and i'm gonna not want to deal with you okay there's some there there is stuff to unpack here so how did you know that i knew because i wanted to marry wonder woman i knew that i liked women but I also knew that it wasn't something that was acceptable. And so I just sort of said, this is a thing that can happen. But as I got to be an adult and we're in the early 2000s and MTV is raging. And now you've got people talking about threesomes and Jerry Springer is on the TV and all this stuff is happening. It's like, you know, now people are in, in the black community. There's some other things that are changing and the idea of mm. this is a thing that could happen or might happen mm. or that black people can actually do this. Now you have these things like, oh, well, have you ever thought about a threesome or 
we should try a threesome or you seem like the type of person that would be okay with a threesome. And I'm like, hey, let's not even, you, you want to just, let's just stay on this side because I'm probably, again, if I go over the rainbow, I'm probably not going to come back. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't answer my question. How did you know at that time that if you were to go to the other side of the rainbow, you wouldn't be coming back? What was it within you that told you that? As much as I was told and encouraged and steered in the direction of being heterosexual and and you should like men and you should date men and you should be in relationship with men, I found loving and being in relationships with men very difficult. It was difficult and taxing. Because of them or because of you? Uh, Probably both, but I think... (laughs) Uh-huh. It was just hard, but I knew that the interactions and the the intense friendships that I had with females were very smooth and very natural feeling. Very much butterflies in the stomach. I can't wait to see you. I enjoy your company. Whereas with men, it was like, what's up? <laughs> sort of like, hey, how you doing? But not a situation of, oh my goodness, I'm so head over heels. And I was also... Okay. Very drawn to the idea at a very at a young age of the idea of like androgyny, the idea of mm. not conforming to gender norms. And so what I also found myself doing very often with male partners would be instead of sitting back in the traditional patriarchal way of being a, a lady and you wait for the gentleman to come to you and you wait for him to call you and you wait for him to do the things for you, I'm the... Aggressor, say it. Yes, air quotes, the aggressor, which, you know, it would just, it felt more natural to me. It made more sense to me. Also, I guess American men tend to be really non, and especially in the 90s, early 2000s, rather non-committal. So it would be, oh, we should probably go out and do something. Okay, well, then do what? You know, my thing was, do what? What are we doing? I don't know, you know, whatever it is you want to do. I can't with the non-committal stuff. So to the guy that I'm dating, I'm like, so let's so let's do this. Thursday at 6, let's meet after mm-hmm. work. I'll be at your place at, you know, at 7. And that's how, like, dating would have to happen. Because if I didn't, if I didn't make that step then then dates just wouldn't happen. It would just be a lot of, so we should do something. So, Lottie, this doesn't sound like you were very aggressive at all. (laughs) (laughs) To American men, this is frightening. Like, what? I can't believe... You're not supposed to ask me to go on a date. I'm supposed to ask you. You're supposed to sit still and wait for me to decide that I'm ready to go on a date. And I'm like, "Eh, I don't have time for that. Let's, Let's go. Okay, but that's not like a queer, non-queer thing. That's like about gender roles and how fucked up the patriarchy yes. is. But So what I want to find out is why you, despite all of the evidence to the contrary, dis- despite knowing yourself that if you went to the other side of the rainbow, you wouldn't be coming back, you chose not to go to the other side of the rainbow. Um, part of it was access, Mm-hmm. So I was in very straight places. So like Walmart. Yeah. Oh, Walmart was the jam too. Ooh, <laughs> wee. It's open 24 hours. <laughs> yeah. But um, just like any, any community, you have to know where to go mm-hmm. to find the people. 
And yeah, so what stopped you from finding those people? Um, I was okay with just not doing, just not mm. expressing, just, we'll just go with whatever's, you know, this is what's here. A lot of respectability politics, a lot of expectations. Mm-hmm. You've already finished your undergraduate degree. You are almost done with your master's degree. You have purchased a house. So the next thing on the black middle class list of things to do is get married mm. and have children. And I was very good at following the directions. You do this, you do yeah. this, you do this, you do this. So that was the last thing on the list was to get married and to have the babies. And so in terms of following the list, is that because you'd internalized it and you had kind of agreed that yes. those were the things that you should be doing or you were doing it because you felt the pressure from other people in your family or around you? Both. So okay. I didn't internalize it like that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And that was mm-hmm. the expectation. And so if, then I need to figure out how to do the thing. The turning point for me was I finished my master's degree and I was going to be turning 35. And I was sitting on my couch in my house and I was like three days away from my 35th birthday. And I was like, oh shit, I'm supposed to be married with children by 35. I only got like three days left to before I turn 35. <laughs> don't think you're ambitious enough. I think you could have made that happen. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make this. Like this was the goal. This was the deadline. And now here I am and it hasn't happened yet. Oh shit, what do I do? It was like a midlife crisis at that moment. Like, oh, what does this, what does my life mean? What does anything mm-hmm. mean? I'm going to turn 35 and I'm not done. I don't have enough time to get a husband and some kids in three days. And so that 35th year was a year of kind of recalibrating. And I had to decide what does 35 mean? What does my 35 mm-hmm. look like? Because the 35 that I've been told my whole life was supposed to be 35 is not happening. So that's a pretty big thing to realize. That was big. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, okay, well, I'm not going to be a wife and a mother at 35, so I'll be a cool aunt. (gasps) What? I'll be a cool auntie. But so you just went from this moment of being like, oh, I haven't met the things that I'm supposed to do to suddenly just putting them away and being like, oh, well, never mind, I'll move on. I mean, sorry, that's minimizing it. Pretty much, though. That's pretty much what I did. I was like, um, this isn't going to happen. So I think part of it, again, that that sense of I don't want to be a failure at mm-hmm. life because these are the mm-hmm. list of things I was supposed to do. So we'll just change. We'll change it because I can be an mm-hmm. amazing auntie. I can be the coolest auntie. I can be the auntie with the slumber parties who lets you stay up late, who teaches you all types of really weird, crazy things, and I'll do that. I can definitely be successful with that, and that is a thing that I can control. I cannot control if I'm going to, you know, meeting a a man in the next four days, but I can control being a cool Mm -hmm. auntie. And so along that line, I was like, well, a cool auntie can do these things. And I had been going to some burlesque shows locally, and we're sort of like, I might be able to do that, but I'm not really sure. I'm a lifelong learner, so I'd also been taking like some pole dancing classes. And I was like, I don't know what to do. What am I going to do? And I was like, well, we'll just try burlesque. Let's do burlesque and see what happens. And, you know, 
you know, maybe I'll be able to get on stage and do a performance and, you know, have some fun. And so signed up for classes. And then once at Dogtown, it really opened my eyes to so many possibilities because it was like a theater. It was an old school that they had converted and changed, you know, did some things. And so they're now dance studios inside there. And so you have hula hooping and burlesque and belly dancing and drumming and capoeira. And there's a pole studio in there. And it was like community space where all of these different, you know, Cuban dance and ballroom dance and like all of these different communities came together in this one space. So now mm. I'm in a place where I was in a small town where there was like one openly queer couple in, you know, gay couple in the whole like city. And they were like the talk of the city, like, oh my goodness, do you know Miss Such and Such and Miss Such and Such are a couple? <laughs> that was like a big thing to going 45 minutes outside of my city to Richmond where I'm exposed to all of these people and inside of all of these groups and classes. Now I'm seeing more queer people. I'm seeing more bisexual women and more gay women and gay men. And I'm like, hey, these are my people. You know, so it was like coming home. It's like, these are my people. Oh, shit. I'm on the other side of the I'm rainbow. I'm on this side of the rainbow now. <laughs> I see us. I see, I see myself in what you are. Ah. Okay. I want to ask follow-up questions about that. But first, I want to find out about burlesque. Mm -hmm. So from the way that you've just told it, it was kind of a like, oh, yeah, I'll see this. Like, I'm kind of interested in this. Let's just go along and see what happens. And then you fell quite hard for it. Yes. <laughs> what is it about burlesque? Oh, goodness. Burlesque is, it is amazing and life-affirming for me. It has been a savior to myself and so many other people. Specifically as a Black woman, it is a time where you have permission to be sexual. Again, in the Black community, we have a lot of respectability politics. There's a lot of the desire to not express yourself in a sexual manner because if you express yourself in a sexual manner, then you are going to set the community back yeah, generations. Okay. Yeah. You don't want to be seen as a Jezebel or a harlot. You want to be a respectable black woman. You want to be essentially an asexual mammy figure to everyone so that they can come to you as a, leader and as a respectable member of the community. And so that's a lot to carry <laughs> because you're still human mm, mm. and you want to be loved and you want to be caressed and you want to be snuggled and you want to hang out and you want to kiss and make out. But the respectability politics say that's not a thing that we do. And if you do that, then you're going to make other black women look bad. <sighs> A really quick observation here. You're carrying around a lot of other people's expectations throughout your yes. life. Sorry, I know that's something that you're probably <laughs> very, very aware of. Yes. It's a lot. 
It is a lot of people's expectations. Um, mm. And from this part of the story, it does seem like, well, wow, you're carrying so much and that's a lot and you probably shouldn't carry all that or you really shouldn't worry about all that. But the story gets deeper. <laughs> How strong are your shoulders? I could probably bench press a Buick right now. <laughs> <laughs> Again, when we talk about being black in America and being a black femme in America and being a black queer femme in America, that is the dichotomy. That is that thing of, I want to be soft. I want to have luxury. I want to relax. I want to be able to take a day off of work and not feel bad, but also have, on the other hand, there are all these people that are depending on you. And if you take a day off, then mm. all of these people cannot depend on you. So we need you to put mm -hmm. your needs to the side so that you can be this dependable entity for all these other people mm. and handle that with dignity and with grace and with poise and never complain. So it's a lot. And that's why I love burlesque, because that is my time, my three and a half to five minutes where I can just be like... I don't care about whatever it is that you guys want from me. What people expect from me means nothing to me. I'm going to go, I'm going to put on this music, I'm going to put on my wig and my lashes and I'm gonna put on all this makeup and I'm gonna put on my costume and I'm gonna have fringe and rhinestones and a corset and some kitten heels and I'm gonna frilly around on this stage and for this, three to five minutes, I don't have to wear or shoulder anyone else's expectations. I can just mm. be me. And I get that in three minute bursts, three to five minute bursts every few weeks. <laughs> okay. So I feel like I've got a good sense of what burlesque means to you. Let's go back to the conversation about finding your people at Dogtown. So help me understand what it felt like that moment of recognition or the several moments of recognition that added together made you go, ooh, this might be the place um, for me. It was though, again, it was several moments of, of recognition. It was moments of being, you know, being in class or being, you know, getting at a burlesque show and we're all backstage and, you know, the amount of, but smackings and, you know, and which, you know, <laughs> consensual, but it was suddenly okay. It was no longer a thing that I needed to be like ashamed of or that I needed to feel bad for thinking about. It was like, oh, yes, you have boobs and may I? <laughs> may I kind of jiggle the boobs? And they're like, yeah, girl, go ahead. And I'm like, this is exactly what I thought it would be. I'm so happy now. <laughs> so, so hold on. Are you saying the world would be a better place if there was more butt slapping and boob jiggling? All with consent, but yes. Consensual <laughs> butt slaps and, and boob jiggles. You know, again, if, if you had people at your job okay. that you could come in and be like, hey, good morning, can I jiggle your boobs? And they say, yes, you can jiggle my boobs. And I think that would make everyone's job so much better. Okay, why don't you and I start to make this a normal thing and just 
offer that up to people <laughs> that we're talking to. See how it goes. See um, how it goes. Report back in a week. In queer spaces, yeah? I would do that. In in my non <laughs> non queer spaces, absolutely not. Oh. Uh. <laughs> All right, all right, fine. Forget I mentioned it. Yeah, straight men are the worst. They don't know how to act. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so there was the permission. There was this kind of breaking down of walls that was happening when you were with these people. Yes. What happened to you after you were given that permission? I really came into my own. I was able to really open up. I was able to express myself in ways that I hadn't really been able to or hadn't had permission to. My, you know, my way of dress started to change. Ah. I went from being intentionally unseen, dressing mm-hmm. in a way where people just wouldn't see me or remember me, to dressing in ways mm. that said, I am here. I am an all or nothing kind of person that is, again, part of that ADHD. So I was going out and I'm either hyper femme, I've got on a shimmy dress and my boobs are up in my throat and my waist is is cinched and snatched, or I'm dressing more like a dapper dandy. I've got my suit and my grandfather's fedoras because he was a dapper guy who worked at the planted Ford Motor Company. So he'd take his Ford checks and get him a nice hat. And so I'd have nice, I had nice hats. And so I was kind of teetering between these two parts, these mm. two extremes. And I loved it. And so that's about the fashions and how you were expressing yourself. What else did it give you permission to do? It gave me Sorry, this is like a really leading question. If you want me just to be like more upfront about what I'm asking, <laughs> like gently pushing you in this direction. Basically, I'm just like, did you snog any girls after that? Was That's I snog? Did I snog any girls? No. Oh, but what? I know. But you, you were on this side of the rainbow. I Why was. not? Um, part of it, again, was, I think, age. So I'm at this point. 35, 36 years old. And most of the people that I'm around Mm -hmm. at that time are in their, you know, mid to early Mm -hmm. 20s. Mm -hmm. So to me, they are like children. I'm the old lady. So I'm enjoying the expression. I'm enjoying being around these young people. I'm enjoying this. I'm opening up. I'm like, hey, this is a possibility. Or, hey, this is who I am. But the pool from which to look at for potential dates Mm. or potential hookups wasn't it wasn't really there so I enjoyed being around all these kids and you know the kids are hooking up but I'm like I am grown I am you know you're she's look at her she's cute and she's nice but I'm grown and you being cute and nice don't do nothing for me because I've got a whole house you know I got a mortgage and responsibilities and you are 22 years old so you're cute and you're fun to hang around with, but I'm old. <laughs> but, 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 okay, first of all, 35, no, not old. <laughs> Second of all, did that not give you an opportunity or the confidence to leapfrog and find other women's elsewhere? 
Not really. <gasps> I'm a, at that point, I'm like really like a baby gay. Like I have no idea yeah. where, I don't know where the gay women are. I don't know where, I just know what is here and that this is now a possibility. And in that time, I did have, you know, I get, did get to meet some women and who were gay. I started meeting more gay women and talking with them and hanging out with them. But I never really got the hookup. Now that now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, man, <laughs> I also probably there were women that were probably flirting with me, but also I'm can be a bit oblivious. Like if you aren't very yeah. direct, then I'm just like, oh, that was really nice. Oh, yeah. She bought me drinks and we hung out and, you know, we we went to the movies together. But that's where my brain stopped it. It didn't say, oh, she put her hand on my knee and then and then I left. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> we you know, we, we, we talked for a long time and kind of, you know, again, if maybe a hand on the knee or, you know. You know, some casual contact, but it just went right over my head that they were probably flirting with me. I'm not good at that. Uh. I wish I was. I probably because I'm very direct with my flirting because I'm like, hey. So are we a thing now? Yeah. So like, (laughs) can I touch your butt? Yeah, probably. So I'm no expert, (laughs) but I'm just going to put it out there. That's probably not the best way to flirt. What, no, hey, can I touch your butt? Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, like, start with something else. Maybe wait for, like, sentence five or something before you ask if you can touch their butt. I will, See I how will you get put on. that in my notes of <laughs> wait, till, wait a little while before asking for consensual butt touching. But again, I might be wrong. I don't, I don't know what women want. Um, and I'm really sorry that I'm asking questions here that is implying that the only way you can explore your queerness is through relationships or sexual activity but i'm going to continue this line of questioning does that mean that you've you've just never you've never you've never you've never have you never i don't no i've never (gasps) i've never sorry i don't that's yeah but sorry for my reaction sorry (laughs) (laughs) again the kissing the, the 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 flirting the friendships but the actual like this is my girlfriend i've never i never oh. now just just so we're clear on the romantic front as a whole it's been of a, a bit of a dust bowl so it's not like just on the <laughs> queer so side no one wants you <laughs> yeah, it's been a pretty pretty dry see you know been, been a, it's a pretty dry time um and and i need to apologize right now I am not feeling pity for you. I'm not feeling sorry for you. I'm sorry if I'm coming across that way. Like it's what it's what it is. Like it's yeah. not a failure. It's not a success. It's nothing. It's just it your is. life. It is what it is. I, I think part of part of my burlesque journey was, hey, I'm exploring these new parts of me. I'm acknowledging parts of me that I had long since hidden or buried or didn't want to acknowledge. And this is great. And I'm meeting people that I didn't know that I would meet. And I'm having conversations and I'm in spaces that in the past I wouldn't have thought I would be in. Mm -hmm. But it now comes for me the hard part because I have this persona of who I am. And if you meet this person, they are not Mm -hmm. this. Very often people will meet Lottie Ellington and have an idea of who Lottie Ellington is. Then they meet the person, the the non-sparkly person, and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, well, I like you too. But then they get kind of confused about who is who. Mm-hmm. And for some people, for some guy, well, you know, because it's mainly 
and like dudes that are like, oh, you're okay, non-sparkly person, but I really want this person here. Mm. I want this caricature, but I want the caricature to be this person. <laughs> Mm-hmm, I like mm-hmm. the idea of you being this larger-than-life character, but I don't know if I can date the larger-than-life character. Yeah, I understand. Like, I'm a performer myself, and I understand that disconnect that people have or the the feeling that you're letting them down when you are yourself, your non-stage self, mm-hmm. and you're like, hi, I'm just really boring, and they're like, oh, oh, damn. <laughs> But I don't know, sometimes I think, well, actually, you've dodged a bullet in those instances because who is so emotionally immature that they think that you should be one thing at all times? Straight men. (laughs) Straight men think that you should be one thing at all times. Oh, let me tell you, it's not just straight men. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that was, that's... And again, in like in a lot of times in the burlesque community, I was seen more as a maternal or a, yeah, like a maternal figure. Like, oh, you're a leader. Um, I knew when I was developing Lottie as a character that Lottie was, mm-hmm. was definitely bisexual. I was like, that is clear. Lottie can be bisexual because Muggle named me. I don't, I hate saying Muggle because turf, but, uh-huh. <laughs> but non-sparkly name me doesn't really have permission to do that so i was like lottie Uh. as a character is definitely bisexual and lottie as a then i had to take a minute and be like well does lottie as a character does lottie have sex though like i had to figure that out because these are these made-up characters that we Mm -hmm. generate so i put a lot of i had to put a lot of thought into who lottie was and you know does lottie have sex and i was like yeah lottie lottie does have sex so why does lottie get to have sex because lottie got to be disconnected from the pressures and the weight of reality. (laughs) The pressures and the weights Mm -hmm. of other people's expectations in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's a great Mm -hmm. escape. Burlesque is a great escape. Specifically, if you are queer, black, femme, like, hey, you can do the thing that you've been told your whole life you can't do. You can be the thing that you've been told your whole life that is not a good thing, that we don't do that. Well, so then taking it back to Dogtown Dance Studio, what did having access to that space teach you about yourself? Um, One, it taught me that there's a lot more life to live, that I I can do things. Having access to Dogtown, again, meant that I had access to, I could sign up for a six week hula hooping class at 37, what it taught, it taught me that I don't have to adhere to anyone else's expectations. I can do what makes me happy. That's a wonderful lesson. Yes, I can do what makes me happy. And again, doing all types of weird things, learning new types of weird things makes me happy. And so to close us out, I'm going to ask you a really cheesy question. And usually I ask the question of going back to the first time you ever went to the venue and then asking what advice you'd give that version of yourself. But I think this time I want to go further, further back and talk to you in front of the television watching Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. What advice would you give that little girl? Oh, 
You're gonna make me cry. Um, <laughs> I would tell her that she can marry whoever she wants to. And if she doesn't get married, that that is perfectly okay. That she doesn't have to get married to be valid. And if she does get married, it doesn't have to be to a man. You can marry Linda Carter if you want to. You know there's still time on that. <laughs> you can still reach out to her. I can still reach out to her. I'm, I don't know if I, again, that's, that's. Oh, um, you just one. want the fantasy of Wonder Woman. You don't want Linda Carter in her tracksuit pants sitting on the couch, do you? Oh, no, I'll take that all day, every day. Let's hear, <laughs> here's a cup of coffee, you know, hey, hey, Lala. Lala, come on, sit down. <laughs> sit down right here next to me. I've got you some coffee. You need what what do you need? What 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 can I do for you? <laughs> Anything to make you smile. Do you have any memories of Dogtown Dance Studio or maybe another queer community space from your local area that you want to share? Well, if you do, I would love to hear all about it. So why not get in touch? I want to create the biggest online record of people's memories and stories of queer clubbing. Go to lostspacespodcast.com and find the section Share a Lost Space to tell me all about what it is you got up to. And if you don't want to do that, but you still want to reach out, find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where my handle is Lost Spaces Pod, and I would love to have a wee chat with you there. Find out more about Lottie by visiting her website, LottieEllington.com, or following her on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, where her profile is Lottie Ellington, or on Facebook, where there is a dot added, and it's Lottie.Ellington. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you took the time to subscribe, leave a review on your podcast platform, or just tell other people who you think might be interested in giving it a little listen too. My name is Kay Anderson, and you have been listening to Lost Spaces. Lost Spaces.